Uh, so, uh, let's see. Now is the time for me to qualify. Uh, please stand when sharing. We ask that you keep the focus. You will get a five-minute warning. Great. Okay. Well, so let me tell you a little bit about my upbringing so, so I can bring the room to tears. And then... <laughs> What? Kathy, Kathy, composed of overeaters. Um, so uh, my parents got married, possibly in this church, and they were both raging alcoholics, and um, like I didn't. And my mother left when I was three. So here's what happened. So my parents get together. They have me. And we kind of had the normal family unit in that we had actual relatives. And, and like, whatever that is where you go to the church, I had that and... I don't know what that is when you're a baby. Something. So, 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 anywho, so then my sister Lonnie came along, and I hated her from day one because she got more attention than me. But we didn't really have to worry about that for long because my mother left. In her alcoholic rampage, she moved to Balboa Island with a friend and my dad. Um, so there was my grandmother and my grandfather. I might start crying. So the judge gave custody of me and my sister Lonnie to my grandmother. And my grandmother was probably the age I am now, but she didn't drive, and she wasn't as youthful and spry. She was, she was like, she was old, and my grandfather was dying of emphysema, so he was in the dining room in the hospital bed with the uh, oxygen, and my dad was, who knows? Okay, so... Um, so how does that relate to food? So my dad was a very successful contractor, which I don't even get where that came from. But he built a lot of the houses in Truesdale, which is in Beverly Hills. And he had a vision. My mother would come back. And he built this huge house above Sunset, and it was going to be me and Lonnie and my dad and my mom, and we would be the perfect, good-looking, hip-happening couple, or they were family. Uh, my sister Lonnie went to live with Cousin Evelyn because, you know, my grandmother... Would 
and, and anyhow, so what happened is, I think where it went even more south, because my grandmother, she couldn't drive, and she was very, very quiet, so there was no advocate, and we moved to Brentwood, and we're stuck in this house, me and my grandmother, and then my grandfather, I, I mean, it was, I couldn't go anywhere, right? No friends, no nothing. And I think that's one reason why the pandemic has been great for me. On the weekends, I don't have to make excuses. Nobody's going anywhere. I can stay home with wild abandon and, and play with my toys, as it were. All right, so Lonnie's growing up, and Lonnie's this big, and, and, and I'm this big, like Lonnie's legs right now Lonnie is his size zero and she's like do you want these pants what they're like a pencil could fit in them all right anyhow so there's Lonnie and I always feel like I'm fat and then there we are me and my grandmother living in Brownwood and my dad went to Tahiti I call it his Paul Gauguin phase. And he, he'd come back and my grandmother would sew these dresses. I mean, me and Lonnie, we had to grass skirts. Our whole house was, it was one of the, it, now it's called mid-century. But we had all the masks and the turtle. And, and anyway, so... Um, He'd bring home the slew of Tahitians, and they would be there, and he thought it was so great that here they are, and they're like, you know, they don't speak English, and, and all of that. So one day, he brings home Irene, and Irene was probably smaller than my sister, so there I am the Chloe Kardashian of the family, like this giant dinosaur walking around. And Irene, it, it, when you go to Tahiti, in the stores they have postcards of the women that are wearing only flowers. That would be her. She's in one of them, okay? So she did not wear clothes. <laughs> which my self-esteem anyways and then uh, my best friend now we got poor and we moved back down the hill to where I live now and um, my very best friend Kathy Romanino and I because neither one of us really had any parents so we'd sit on the street corner, listen to Neil Young, write poetry, and we would walk around the corner to model food and get an apple and a Shasta, diet Shasta, because we didn't have any money, nothing. Okay. And we both thought we were humongous. And Irene would tell us, we're in fourth grade, you girls are fat. Look at me. I, you have cellulite. So, um, 
so we journaled, we, we talked about our depression, and then uh, I got, okay, so then, so I basically just thought I was unlovable. So by a total fluke, I'm going to skip over that, so I would do the low-carb diet, lose five pounds, go crazy, have pancakes, gain lost. I tell my grandmother, I'm not eating breakfast today. And um, so now I'm going to pass around pictures. And this picture taken, I don't know when, I can't read it, August 1972, I wrote, Kathy, the stupid fatty, standing in front of the corn on trip to Shades and Turkey Run, Indiana. So if you wanted a picture of Kathy the Stupid Fatty, I will pass these around. Also, <coughs> also, I love this picture of me. If there's no doubt in your mind about what a happy person I was. <laughs> Alright, so now I'm in high school. I've never really done homework. There's no direction because nobody really knows I exist. Ransom. So, um, So, yeah, so obsessed by my weight, and I weighed like 115 pounds and was convinced I was fat. So, um, so it really got out of control. I've been in program seven years. I've lost 30 pounds, but I'm going to skip into, well, I'll tell you this. So, um, I asked a friend of mine, how come you never invite me wherever? And, and she goes, er, why don't you include something? And, and she says, everyone hates you. It's like that episode, I think, of Seinfeld. I mean, that was me. Everyone hates you. So, I went to this psychiatrist probably the end of the year, whatever that year was, and he weighed me, and he said, well, what are we going to do to take off the weight? So, I don't know. So, to adjust your meds, you have to go back a couple times, and he kept, and I really liked him because he was the good parent. I was a pharmaceutical rep for a while, and I loved it because the doctors were smart. It was a safe environment where they had to go to medical school for the most part. You know, it was, it was, it was so incredible being around men and women, but mostly men who functioned in the world because I had never really seen that. So... This man, I wanted him to, like I wanted to please him. 
and and he kept saying, what are you going to do about the weight? I remember one time I said, well, you know, I come home, and here's what it was. I would eat Doritos, nacho chips, <laughs> um, Doritos, nachos with cheese, and cheese nips, cheese nips, cheese, anything. And I would walk around with my hand in the bag of eating. All right, so I had this intense anxiety, and it would calm me down. And then um, my cat buttercup, I had to put her to sleep, and I felt like God had totally abandoned me, and I didn't understand why I just couldn't have a little cat. You know, I had no parents, no this, no that. I'm fat stupid according to me and um and i can't even god won't even let me have a little cat so there you know so really uh god took everything for me and so there i am at the doctor and he says i go well you know i come home i have a can of pringles and he said well why don't you come home go for a walk have an apple and I'm like what what that's no <laughs> that's like the stupidest thing I have ever heard so, so so I belong to this craft like C-R-A-F-T like Michael's craft group and uh, I didn't know but Two of the gals in the group belong to OA. But did anybody mention this to me during, like, the years we got together the first Friday of every month? No. So uh, so I told the psychiatrist, I'm going to Overeaters Anonymous. He goes, what is that? I said, I don't know. I don't know. But I'm going there. And I thought probably what it was is you take a bite and count to ten and put the fork down. I don't know. But so um, the person who hosted our crafting group, her name starts with a Z and ends with an N. Do you know who I'm talking Three letters. Z-N. Okay. Because we're not supposed to mention people. So, anyways, this other gal, Sally, because you, Sally sent me the 12-stepper. And I went, oh, look, there's one at Roxbury Park, and there's a newcomer meeting, and I'll go to that. So, oh, so, as you might have noticed, I have to have all these things with me because I'm a very serious person. <laughs> I really am. <laughs> okay, so I went online, answered the ten questions, and, and I'm like, yeah, that's the problem. That is it right there. It had a name to it. And uh, so, let's see. Let's just get right in. That's done. <clears throat> so I go on January 18th or something like that to 
I just worked the Serenity Sunday. I went to the newcomers meeting. And I'm, you know, like all excited. Yes, well, I answered the ten questions and I've determined and these are my, this is, this is during my, where you're supposed to get up and say your name. Hi, I'm Kathy. So I answered the ten questions and these are my trigger foods and something like I didn't know and sat down and and I've been going ever since. And on the way home, I stopped at Ralph's on Olympic. And I thought, hmm, what am I going to buy? I'll buy cucumber. I don't know. So I get home, and this girl, Monique, calls. Yes, Kathy, we met at the meeting. I go, what am I supposed to eat? Great. I better speed it up. And so she said, you... Uh, something, there's a meeting on Monday night around the corner. So I'm into the speed and location of getting places. So here's what I did. What did I do? Number one, this is my journal, okay? People give me these gifts of these. No, I have a lot to say. So I do the Voices of Recovery, which comes with the workbook. Okay. That's my first one. I have another one. And then my sponsor and I worked the steps. And this is, I went to Staples, made a hundred copies, listed everyone that, um, whatever. And then I did the statistical analysis. And here's what I determined. Where's the, I, I resent people, I'm jealous, or people that don't notice me makes up 46% of my resentments. People that should not even be on this earth that just take up space, 19%. <laughs> and sociopaths and evil abusers like my parents, that's 16%. And after doing all of this, I realized I wasted all this time on my parents and there was nothing I could have done to fix them. And then, has anyone actually completed this book? Because my sponsor and I did it together. And this section here of like 50 pages, three questions a page, if you want to know what an asshole I am, this is the fourth step, okay? That you have to write. The only ones that are blank is, I didn't kill anybody. <laughs> Other than that, but the questions are like, I'm an asshole, and then I'm a bigger asshole. So, what, where has that led me? So, I've been reworking the steps, and um, I read something. It says, I have no control over persons places and things. How has a higher power changed? I now believe that there's a little piece of God in me, like a little like like E.T., and that my goal in life is to express my gift. Um, 
And so I've gotten to where I need to learn. Oh, what I do now, I had a very bad week last week. And, I'm all, and I try to look at my side of the street, take responsibility, uh, and then... And then this is something I read last night, which I had never seen before, and it had never occurred to me to do this. Step in. This is my mother's 12 and 12, by the way. A spot check inventory taken in the midst of such disturbances can be a very great help in quieting stormy emotions. Today's spot check finds its chief application in situations which arise in each day's march. The consideration of long-standing difficulties had better be postponed. And then blah, blah, blah. In these situations, we need self-restraint, honest analysis of what is involved Unwillingness to admit the fault is mine, and an equal willingness to forgive when it's elsewhere. And what the whole point of all this is, is I don't have any control over anything but me, and I am now a grown-up, it would seem, because I'm getting things from the Neptune Society, hearing aid things. And, uh, yeah, sucks. So, my phone, you should see it. I, it my time's up. If you want to see my phone after the meeting, I'll be happy to show you. Uh, let's see. So, this is a time for questions only, Terrell. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any of us after the meeting. Also, please remember, my opinion is my opinion and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. You will get a five-minute... Okay. <laughs> Ransom. Can you tell us about your cell phone? Oh, God. So, I used to have the best phone, and I had the insurance... It was the Commando Z-Force used by, what are those people called? They have the television show, you know, like the Commandos. And the, anyways, loved the phone, and it finally, they wouldn't give me another one. So now I have this other one, and I, because I'm getting older, as I mentioned, I have the, I'm getting all these phone calls about, Medicare, this, that, and the socials, like all these senior services, it comes up as senior something or other, senior this, and I pay like an extra $10 a month to block these people. And what's very upsetting is 
And so everything is spam. And my old phone, the Commando, I used to be, I mean, you could drive your car over it. You could swim with it. And I'm used to, like, dropping it 50 times, throwing it. And I want to throw the phone, right? And I have to stop myself because it's not indestructible. But now, seeing senior care or something come up, what? Oh, and then the Neptune Society and the hearing aids and the hips. And it's just like, okay, does that answer your question? <laughs> Ainsley. Um, could you describe your abstinence? Yes, yes. My abstinence is not eating any Doritos, Pringles, it's a salt and pepper kettle chips from Trader Joe's. Uh, nachos, Doritos. Yeah, but it's been seven years, so so. Uh, I mean, I could add more stuff because I don't have the greatest diet, but I'm not going to. I have enough problems getting through. <laughs> Dealing with myself, you know. Does that answer your question? Okay. Julie. Thank you. So, do you truly believe that your parents did the best that they could? If not, how do you sit with that? If so, how did you come to that level of acceptance? Alright, well, when I did the fourth step, and what I did is I wrote the different years for my parents. And I dissect, I mean, my fourth step, what, if you, I can pass it around if you just want to see it, but it's ridiculous. I dug so deep, and what I came to realize is the anger at myself for all the ways I tried to get the family together. Like one time, both my parents got divorced, and I hosted Christmas dinner, and I thought it would be this big thing. It wasn't. And did they do the best they could? They didn't even know I was there. I mean, what mother? I, I mean, I couldn't even leave my cat, much less a baby. So I think that they are either, I don't know, sociopaths or psychopaths. My father got in a drunk driving accident and killed two people. And he didn't really care that much. So if that tells you... So so I did this whole, whole thing, exhausted myself with my hatred, and on and on. And I went to a meeting, I was leading a meeting, and this girl says, have you forgiven your parents? And I said, no, but I exhausted myself. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's nothing. They're pretty much selfish, horrible people. Did they have good quality? Sure. And then I had this one Pollyanna friend one time before I 
became enlightened. And I remember that she says, I'm so tired of hearing about you complain about your parents. Didn't they do anything, or didn't you get anything good from them? And I said, yes, my good looks. And she looked at me like, you can't say that you think you're attractive. Like, who does <laughs> So, yeah. Daryl, I've been nervous. I'm like, oh my God, he's going to ask me something that I, I don't know. Kathy, what do you think about the third paragraph? <laughs> I don't go to the stupid asshole anymore. I mainly go that people are torturing me. That's my new thing. They are torturing me. Uh, and going out of their way to... I'm not even going to waste time giving you examples, but it's sort of when people don't think. And I, I stage houses. What that means is I furnish a house for nobody. And I feel like the people that move my stuff don't care. Probably they don't care. So they don't take care of it. So last week there was the big incident that started my downward spiral. And so my new thing is, which then I went, jealousy noticed me 46%. I, when people don't notice me, it pushes me over the edge. And how I deal with it, I, I came home and I thought, and what I was doing is I was bugging this girl that works for me, needling her, and this, that, and, and I used to do that to my grandmother, who I go to forest lawn once a month to make amends. I decorate and all that. Okay. So I realize what it is, is I am not being loving to myself. And I want her to hate me as much as I hate myself. So I need to be nicer to myself. And so what that means is I wash the dishes, clean the litter box. Uh, me and another guy... Uh, we do this organizing thing where, like, I send him pictures of the mess at my house and then the before and after and stuff like that, but taking care of me. And that really hit me this week with being ignored. Does that answer? Okay. Mark. Hey, Kathy, thank you for your share. Uh, how is your relationship with your sister, and if and when you guys get together, do you avoid talking about your parents, or do you get right into all the things that they did? Well, I have a number of sisters because I come from the broken home, as I mentioned. And uh, my sister Lonnie hates me. Um, I might mention that 
When my mother was dying, I brought Sister Lonnie out here from Chicago, who had the baby with the two-time husband who at the time was incarcerated into my home with the fiance who I should have like I was again trying to make him into anyways so they ended up getting together in, in our house so I threw her and the baby out on the lawn and we didn't speak and then we started speaking and I don't know what happened, but she, uh, she doesn't talk to me. And she, I've spent my life trying to make it up to her for whatever it is, you know, from when she had to go live with Cousin Evelyn. And then I have another sister we sort of speak and another one who doesn't like me. And there's a whole, you know. Does it answer your question? Yes, wait. Um, oh, where? Oh, no, you can, you can go. Tell us about your cat. My buttercup? This little <laughs> buttercup, I had it. It turned out that, be, and you guys know if you have pets, that you take them to the vet and billions of dollars later, and you're always questioning, am I cheap or do I just, like, take out a loan? So, so my poor cat, Buttercup, who I loved, Buttercup, it turned out had... Not leukemia. What's that other one? Something or other. But she was dying. And I had gone to the vet on Overland. And they had said, we just need to keep her hydrated. She'll be okay. Lymphoma. And then I took her to the City of Angels, which is the cedar sign I have pets in, in Culver City. And they did a something or other. And they said, your cat's very sick. It has lymphoma. It has blah, the liver. And, and I had never put to sleep. So, yeah. So I thought, why can't I just have a cat? And then, well, it's very interesting. So then I went, I adopted these two kittens, Winston and Rose, two years. I'm out of time. Two years. I told, I was nice to them, but I didn't love them. And one day I thought, you know what? They haven't done anything. I am going to love these cats and be nice to them. Do, do, do we? Uh, oh, I was going to ask you about your body image. Where are you at with this right these days? Oddly enough, I'm kind of okay with it. I packed on in the last week during my existential crisis. I packed on some tons, but <laughs> I feel like, thank God for stretch pants, and I, I am not beating myself up about it. Yes. I just want to wait. Do you... Uh, 
do you take uh, outreach calls from newcomers? And if you do sometimes, uh, and someone is in um, some of the distress that you described, you being, how, what do you say? Well, first of all, nobody ever calls me. <laughs> but if they did, I would I would tell them that first of all, listen, listen. It's the feel felt found. I spent twenty five years in stables. I I felt like you do. I understand feel felt and and. And what I did about it is, and the steps, because it's been my experience, especially with friends, that they're like, well, what is this? Oh, hey, and how'd you lose the weight? Is it because you, you ate a cucumber or did you cut out? And I start talking about, there's the big crowd around me at parties. And as you start explaining the steps, nobody wants to hear it. So I think that to really get them involved in the program and look at what it is within us that makes us do what we do. Does that, that's, is that a dumb answer? I, don't know. <laughs> I can't think of a better <laughs> Is that it? So two minutes left. Two minutes! Uh, what's your relationship with your higher power and how did it evolve? Well, now I believe I was listening to something that it said there was, it, it, he had the concept of an exploding God. And the God exploded and there's a little piece of God in every one of us. And our life's purpose is to take that little spark and develop it and that is our goal our goal is not to focus on what other people are doing or whatever and I suppose if I really maybe next year I could tell you that when I look at you I see the God within you the God within me but really there I, I, I'll, I'll just be going along and say God what are we going to do or I do this AIOU thing every night and I'm like I'm going to sleep God will figure out how we're going to move all that furniture I don't know I don't have a clue does that answer thank everybody